That is Jack Walsh. He leads our Awana ministry. So if your kids are in Awana, uh, he and his wife are the ones that oversee that. And uh, uh, we are embarking in or starting a brand new series entitled Influence. And uh, each week we will do some form of an interview like that. We're just uh, listening to different folks from our church share people that had influence in their life and how that has impacted them in today and what they do. And so uh, it was neat for me. I sat down before the interview uh, with Jack a couple weeks back and was talking to him about Awana. And uh, if you've never, if you don't know Jack, and uh, if you don't know Jack, uh, if you do not know Mr. Jack Walsh, uh, just a genuine man that has such a huge heart a passionate young guy that just loves the Lord, but he loves people. And uh, as he was talking about Steve to me, uh, that had nothing to do with the interview. He just he just wells up with tears. He just loves him. He's uh, just such an impact in his life. And if you know Steve Creel, uh, which he attends another church right now, his brother-in-law came and started or took over a church in town. So they uh, went with their family. But a uh, I don't even know how to describe Steve. He's as big as the door. Um, and uh, you will get the biggest bear hug every time you see him, and just an incredible, incredible guy, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, I hope you enjoy the different videos that we will have, the, inter- the interviews uh, that we'll have, but uh, have you ever looked at somebody in your life and thought uh, just kind of a wow, like that guy, that lady, that whatever is awesome? And then inside of that same statement or inside of that same thought, as you were thinking of that person, you were looking at that person or whatever it is you've thought to yourself, but I could never be that. Wow, those, that, that guy is amazing. But I, there's no way I could do that. There's no way that I could be like that person. Have you ever... Uh, as you look at different things throughout our society, there's different people, there's different famous people, there's different people on social media that have influence in what you wear and how you might do your hair and if you are going to purchase something or not purchase somebody, there's something, there's people that you trust that you would listen to, but why? Why do you allow them to have that influence over your life? Have you ever thought that maybe you would want to be that person that would be the person that would influence somebody? Have you ever thought about the statements on the negative side of that, but I could never do that? I couldn't be that influence because I don't have the right personality. I'm too quiet. I'm just not really that talented. If I were to be honest, I don't even know if that was what I wanted to do and that was where I wanted to go. I wouldn't even know the first steps to take to walk in that journey, to begin that process. Maybe you are somebody that you have just put yourself in a box. I think of so many different people that I have gotten the chance to know in my life that, like me at times, have literally put themselves in a box and said, this is the influence that I have and it's in this box. Because the reality is I'm just a little bit different than other people. People think I am different. And because of that, I have made my own little box. And if I'm inside of the box, the people that are in there, they already know my flaws. They already know uh, the things that I have done. They know my past. And it's easy. And I just sit inside of the box. And that's my influence. Because if I go outside of this box, someone else is judging me. 
we put ourselves in these places. We put ourselves in that box. Have you ever thought that nobody would even notice you? You're not enough. Have you ever had the opposite of that where you genuinely just felt, God, I, I, I truly believe that there's something for me. I know that you have something for me, but God, I, I can't because of all of these things. And if anybody ever found out, then what? Let me share with you just briefly a couple personal things for me. When I was in my early 20s and I, I decided, I, I surrendered my life to the Lord I was about 19 years old, and at that point in time, I was working a full-time construction job. I, uh, I, I was happy with the way things were. I was making money, and I didn't want to go to college. I hated college. I hated school. I didn't want any part of it. But when I truly just surrendered to God, I thought, well, that would be a natural next step to go to school and, and to get educated. I don't know how much education I got, but I got educated at college but while I was there, for my four years that I was there, one of the things that would always think of was I was at Liberty University, and uh, Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. was there at the time, and uh, he, was, he was still alive, and I, would, I remember vividly thinking, if I could only have his faith, if I could only be as bold as Dr. Falwell was bold, if I could just be a little bit like him. I would think things like, man, it would be neat one day to come back here and be on staff underneath of Dr. Falwell. To stand around the, the men that he was around, to be around those people. Early on in my early 20s, those were thoughts that I had. If I could just be like him. Eight years ago, November... I sat in a room and a group of men looked down the table after a, a resignation was had and a gentleman looked down at the end of the table where I was and he said these, these exact words, Aaron can do it. I said, we'll have church. That was my statement. Because I didn't think Aaron could do it, I just assumed that I could function and run a church for a couple services. That's literally my thought process of it. See, here's why. As I was going through those times, I would look in the mirror and I would ask myself the question. I would look at other pastors and I would think, well, I don't have that personality. I don't have that leadership type. I don't have those giftings. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't have all of the things that I'm supposed to have. And at that time, blogging was the cool thing. And I even literally said this, I can't blog. Apparently, in my mind, every pastor had a blog. But those were the things that I thought. That I couldn't do it because of all of these excuses that I had put in my own life that I had said I could not do it. See, I didn't think I could be what Dr. Falwell was. I didn't think I could do what God had apparently called me to do eight years ago because I had put myself in the box. I had said these are the things that I have to be, though nobody else told me that that's what had to happen. The reality is I may never have the global impact that Dr. Jerry Falwell had. I may never sit in an Oval Office with a president like Dr. Falwell has, I may never reach the people that 
Dr. Falwell was fortunate enough to reach and sit at the table with the people that he sat at the table of. But here's what I have had to come to my own conclusion of through God's word is that the reality is God did not call Aaron Flanagan to be Dr. Jerry Falwell. I shared of my love of my grandfather last week, a man that preached in Akron, Ohio for over 50 years at the same church, Milheim Baptist Church, which is still there. And every time I go, I drive by Milheim Baptist Church and I take my kids. That's where your mom and dad or your grandma and grandpa were saved. That's the man that used to be the pastor who I'm named after, who now my son is named after. It means something to me. You know what? I'll never be Elijah Benningfield. I will never be Jerry Falwell. But God didn't call me to be any of those people. God called me to be me. He called you to be you. He has a calling upon your life. And as I go through these things, I begin to think of this. And in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, this came to me this week as I was putting all of these things together. And it's a verse many of you in this room could quote out loud with me. But it says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The word of God says what? The thief comes to do what? He comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you know the reality was that I have had to come to and I still have to come to every single day is that the things that I tell myself, the box that I am supposed to live in, that I put myself in, the thing that I told myself that I have to be a blogger, that I have to be the next John Maxwell church leader, that I have to be this, that, or the other, those are things that the enemy has put inside of my mind to say this is what you have to do and you can't do it. Aaron, you're just not talented. You can put your name in there, whatever your name is. You're not talented enough. You don't have the right personality. You don't have the right education. You don't have anything that you are supposed to have in order to be exactly what you think you're supposed to be. That is not from God. That is the enemy that says he came to steal your joy. He came to take those things from you. And so we then say, well, I guess that I'm just supposed to be in this little corner over here and I'll live my life and we'll have a family and we'll be okay. The word of God says the thief comes, the enemy, the liar, the devil, the deceiver comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says what? But I, Jesus Christ comes, that they would have life and they would have it more abundantly. Do you know the most abundant aspects of my life in the last several years of my life have been the reality of me going, it's not about you, Aaron. It's not about you. You may not be the most talented. You may not be the greatest of leaders. You may not be this, and you may not have a seminary degree, and you may not have that thing, and you may not have that thing, but it's not about you. Eight years ago would have been the easiest thing for me to do was to say, Mindy, this isn't us. I was called to be a youth pastor and a worship leader, not a senior pastor. And some of you were there those days. Some of you were there the first night when I got off the stage. I went to the corner of the stage and I just began to cry and say, I can't do it. No one's coming back to this place. But I praise God that I realized, and it takes every day, every day, 
for me to look myself in the mirror and say, it's not about you. And there's days that I don't, and it's harder. But Jesus came to give me life. He's called me right where he's called me to be, and I believe that I'm right where God has called me to be. I believe the last eight years have been the hardest eight years of my life, but they've been the greatest eight years of my life. See, God came to give us life. Jesus came to give us life, and it says that he came to give us an eternal life. Eternal means unending, not necessarily later. Sometimes we live with eternal life means later. It's unending. It's, it's today and moving. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. John 4 and verse 4, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him, what would it be? It shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life John 17 3 and this is life eternal what is eternal life that we would know him the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent he came to give us life and not only did he say that he came to give us life but he is the life he gives us that life and it's not something that I can just quote oh I said a prayer and I did this thing I believe in you God Okay, you're good. See you later. We'll, we'll see you in eternity. So, oh, he is the life and it dwells in us. John 1, 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. I am that bread of life. John 6, 48. John 7, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly again shall flow rivers of living water. Because you have everlasting life, because God's desire is that you would have life in abundance, we are to be an influence. We are to be light in the world. We are to be the salt. We are to be led and guided by the word of God. We are to live a life that is yielded and surrender to God Almighty. In this series, over the next several weeks, we've just We've been talking about doing something outreach-oriented and talking about different ways, and uh, we've entitled it Influence. And then we did a little tag, it's silly, whatever, but face it, you have it, now what? Reality is this, you have ins ins insurance, you have insurance, I don't know. You have influence, now what? I can tell myself all that I want that I'm in this box and I can only touch and influence these people. The reality is it's not. That's not true. I've told myself for many, many years, Aaron, you, you don't have that influence. You're just a young pastor that really doesn't know what he's doing and you just kind of stay over here and you can learn from everybody else. I can say that all that I want or I can step out of that box and say, God, you've called me here for a specific reason and you put me in the situation that you put me in and I can't have influence on the next guy who's hurting. We all have it. What are we going to do with it? What will we do with it? Some of you have influence right now but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You walk and you talk and people follow you and people listen to you and you have great influence, 
but you don't know God. You don't know Jesus Christ. And so that influence is, is just a temporal thing. Others of you know Christ as Savior and you have a relationship. My prayer is that as we walk through this, this series, that it would be one that somebody would, people would come to know Christ but the other is that for some of us that we, we sit in these chairs and we, we come to church, we have an influence in the body, but we're listening to so much junk and the thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy and we've just kind of, we've given into that. And so the potential, the call that God has on our lives is kind of squelched in some regards because we don't allow him to do the things that he's called for us to do. We're going to start this week in Matthew chapter 5, and this will really be the launch point of everything. Matthew chapter 5, uh, we're coming out, well not coming out of, but we're in the, the midst of the Beatitudes. If you were to go back to the beginning of chapter 5, you're going to look at the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, blessed are they that mourn, and so on. In verse number 13 through 16, it's again a passage that many of you know, is really kind of a launch point that will take us over the next several weeks. For the next five weeks, we will touch on different men and women of the Bible who gave their lives in some way, shape, or form and followed God and allowed God to use an imp and be an impact in other people's lives that ultimately uh, led to the coming of Christ, which ultimately would lead out of that into where we are today. So I pray that the series is an encouragement to you. Uh, but Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light, or giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father, I come to you today and I ask. My cry to you this morning, God, is that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here, that we would uh, take from your word exactly what you would have for us to take. And Lord, that we would walk away today having a greater understanding, a greater uh, knowledge of what it is to be salt and light and, and the reality and the need that we have to, uh, to live that amongst the people that we have influence in. Father, we ask that you meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought is this, the, the gospel exposes corruption and darkness. The gospel exposes corruption and darkness. If we look at this passage of scripture, it's speaking of salt, it's speaking of light. And then there's also the, there's the pro and the con of that. There's the, the positive end of that with salt, that it's going to give savor. There's also the negative, when it's, when it's worthless, it gets tossed out and so on and so forth with light. But I, I thought of two simple, simple things. Have you ever sat down and eaten something and the first thing, right when you put it in your mouth, you were like, this needs more salt? Anybody? My wife has never done that. Just, this is on the record, it's video recorded. My wife has never done that. I don't know. Um, to Easter. <laughs> but as we get into this, there's an obvious taste when you taste something, you're like, ah, it just needs a little more salt. Yesterday, there was a group of men that 
we will say that we had a fishing outing. I would say we had a casting outing. I don't know that anybody caught a fish. We did a lot of casting, very little fishing. Um, but we casted a lot. But you know, one of the things that I heard, and I, I was, it's funny that this all kind of, I made this statement in my, my notes, but yesterday just kind of played out, was there was, I think there was three boys, my son and a couple others that were there, uh, and then just a group of us men that were there, and we just enjoyed fellowship together. But about 7.30, we're at Willow Beach. I don't know, the sun goes down 6.45, 7 o'clock. But about 7.30, the boys kept saying, they'd look up. It's so dark outside. It's so dark. You know, when you live in the city and you look up, it's never dark. There's very few places in this city that you can go and be like, oh, wow, look at the stars. Last night, the boys just kept saying, look at the stars. Look at how many stars. Look at how dark it is. Do you know the realization for us when you go, if you go home tonight, which I don't know where you live, but if I look up, I don't really see stars because I live too close to the lights. In both situations, when there's no salt, we notice it. When there is darkness, we notice it. We notice it. We realize it. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, it says the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Galatians says it this way in chapter 3 and verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The world needs salt because it is corrupt. It needs light because it is dark. The law was given that it would ultimately bring us to an understanding of our sinfulness and our need of a Savior. And when you go outside in the darkness and there's no lights around and you look up and you go, whoa, it's dark. I need a flashlight. I need light. Listen, if you can't go outside, if you can't turn on the television, if you can't see the reality that we are lacking salt and we are lacking light inside of our world, I really don't know the best way to help you other than to tell you, you may need Jesus. Because the reality is many people wouldn't look outside and they, would, they wouldn't see it as a mess because they're in the midst of that darkness themselves and they can't see it and they need the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to see the darkness that they're in. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 says it this way, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. If you were to go into verse 14, it says this, But we must continue. See, we are seeing deception of the enemy, and I pray that you see it, and I pray that you see uh, your need of, of a Savior. I pray that you recognize what is there. The problem with just waiting and doing nothing is, it's a problem. And I believe in large part what we see today is because churches and Christians have waited and said, well, I'm just going to sit back and it'll just for another day. Maybe tomorrow I'll say something. Maybe at this time I'll step up. Maybe at that time I will step up. The problem is it never is going to get better. It's always going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. From the moment in the Garden of Eden where there was the fruit eaten that they were told not to eat, it became a disaster. Death was what happened. God said, if you eat of it, you will surely die. And they began and they ate and we 
are seeing the problem of it because it gets worse and worse. This thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This world cannot get better because there is no inherent goodness. Think about it. Think of all of the things that we see. If you were to just grab in your pocket, grab in your purse, look at your tablet, you are watching and experiencing some amazing, I don't know that we'd call it miraculous, but some miraculous, amazing technology that is all around us. We are experiencing science do things and explore things that we've never been able to see before. I am amazed sometimes. The further that I, the, the more that science reveals, the more that I look back and I go, did you not, hey, look, it says on the Bible. They're exploring deeper into the oceans than they've ever explored. And what are they saying? There's mountains and there's everything that God's word says is in the ocean. But they've never been able to see it. But science is revealing it. But you know what? Even though we're exploring and we're doing all of these things, our inherent nature is not getting better. Sin still reigns. Peace of mind is diminishing. Purpose and meaning is disappearing. Morality is continuing to evade us. We do what we can do. But it's never enough. The only thing to expose sin and wickedness is the gospel. You can see that there is no salt because of the decay and the corruption of the world in which we live. You can see that there is no light because you can look out and you can see the darkness and you can see the, the hate and you can see sin. John three seventeen says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The gospel exposure is not that of condemnation. But rather it is exposing, it is giving, it is exposing the need that can only be filled by God's mercy and God's love and God's grace. This morning, the very simple first thought is the gospel exposes that corruption and darkness. The gospel lives and breathes through you. Verse number 13, verse number 14 says it this way. You are, or ye are, the salt of the earth. And in verse 14, you are the light of the world. We can sit back as believers and just kind of sit idly by and do absolutely nothing. But there is nowhere in God's word that calls us to sit back and do absolutely nothing. He called us to be light. He called us to be salt. He told us to go ye therefore. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 and 19 says it this way, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then listen to this. And all things are of God who, what? Hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And then he didn't just say there. He didn't stop. He continued. And it says what? And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us 
the word of reconciliation. We've been called to give a hope. If you sit here today and you would say, there is not a doubt in my mind that you are in Christ. You are a new creature. The old has passed away. All things have become new. I would say to you, then you have been called onto the ministry of reconciliation, which does not mean we sit back in the back corner and sit on our hands and do absolutely nothing. It is that we are now called to go into this and that I am a part of sharing the ministry of reconciliation. You're like, what is that? Telling you that there's a God that desires to be in relationship and desires that you would be reconciled to him. The relationship has been broken and God sent his son that you would come back together. God desires to be reconciled with you. My job as a believer, not my job as a pastor, my job as a believer is to go into all the world and share that hope that they too can have a reconciled life with him. The gospel lives and breathes through you. That's our job. You are the salt. You are the light. Not pastor. Yes, it's part of my job. But not because I'm a Christian. Or not because I'm a pastor. Because I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. The reality should hit us. It should bother us that people we know and love do not know Christ as Savior. It should bother us that hell is real and filling up. It should bother us. But he calls you and me to be just that. God chose you and I to be salt and light. It says you are. That word are is that you are. Stressing that you are the being. We are being salt. We are being light. We are that and you have the influence. What are we doing with it? Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For ye are, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Colossians chapter 1 says it this way in verse 13. Who hath delivered from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We aren't always salt and light. We weren't always salt and light. We were darkness. We were delivered, though, from the power of darkness because of the Holy Spirit working in you. Do you realize that you sit here, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you sit here because somebody was an influence, somebody was, was, was willing to tell you that you needed a relationship with God. They were willing to tell you, hey, would you come to church with me? They were willing to show you love. They were willing to show you something and that you were willing then to step forward. And because of that, because of that, you are a new creature. Salt is literally a, a retardant. It slows down corruption. His light is one that reveals truth. We are no longer a part of the corrupted world, rather because God lives and breathes in us. The gospel living in us. We are now a preserver of that gospel he has changed us from darkness to light. Think about this. If, the, if salt is a preservative, 
what was it? We don't use it this way as much now. We have freezers and refrigerators. But if salt was used, they would pack the meat in and they would preserve it. If there was no salt, it decayed. It was worthless. The meat became junk. You couldn't eat it. Think of our society. You take every Christian out of this world. There is no form of salt. There is no preservation. There is no one to reconcile. No one to tell you of a reconciliation. The importance of you being salt is vital. The importance of you being light is vital. The Word of God says that John 8, I am the light of the world. John 9, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 12, 35, a little while longer, the light is with you. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were sometimes darkness, now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Philippians 2, 15, that ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among what? Whom ye shine as lights in the world, we are salt and light. I am to be salt. I am to be light. You are an influence of the gospel. What does that influence look like today? The last point, the gospel glorifies the Father through you. The gospel glorifies the Father through you. There's quite a danger, as it says, salt becomes tasteless. Then it's tossed, it is trampled. Light is hidden and thus not giving light. I wonder if our salt, if you will, has completely lost its savor because we've allowed so much junk into our lives that it, it's worthless. It's just walked on. I wonder if our light that is supposed to be shining bright, that is supposed to be out there shining a beam of light, showing forth the love of Jesus Christ, I wonder if it's just been hidden under a bushel as we would sing as children because our life, we've allowed so much junk in that it's just a flicker. It's the flashlight that the batteries are going out. My children love flashlights in our house. If you had children as, did your kids love flashlights? Is this just a thing? Like all kids just have to have flashlights? I think every day I find a new flashlight. Because you take the one and somehow miraculously another some form of light shines out of their bedroom at 10 o'clock at night. And you're like, where did this light come from? I just wanted to read, Dad. Why do you want to read at 10 o'clock at night, but you didn't want to read at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when we were telling you to do your homework? Anybody else with me? Thank you. I don't know if anybody was with me. Nobody, like, just laughed, so I'll take it. But when that flashlight, when I go to use it, you click it, and it shines, like, from here to here. And you're like, well, that was good. And I guess the kids used it at midnight. It's lost everything that it's for. Because there's no juice. There's no life in it. I wonder if, if we've lost that. See, I can't lose my salvation, but I can allow the thief to steal and to kill and destroy the testimony that I have. 
lose my influence, losing the effectiveness because it's become contaminated by stuff. Light is in danger of becoming useless. Light can't lose its light, but it can become dim. The church light can become dim as we are contaminated by the world. We no longer teach the Word of God. We, we teach the Word of God and principles of other things to help you become better. But we stop teaching the doctrines and the core truths of God's Word. Individually, we get off track of reading and growing and seeking the Lord. We lose influence. This passage of Scripture in verse 16 says what? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Pharisees would show their good works to do what? Ah, look how good I am. God's Word says that our good works would honor and glorify and point to Him. You know, I think one of the greatest testimonies of Oasis Baptist Church is because it is genuinely not of anybody, but is just God. Nobody, in all all honesty, can look back eight years ago and be like, well, we would never have been where we were if pastor wasn't so intelligent and pastor was just such a great speaker and pastor knew how to lead. And I sat in my first deacon's meeting. I looked at the men and I said, I have no idea what to do here. I've never even been in a deacon's meeting. How about that? That is not a joke. That is dead serious. We sit here not because of any of those things. We sit here because God is God. 7.5-ish million dollars later, with 200-ish people. It's God. And I pray as we go through this that we would live a life that would bring glory to God, not to you or to me. Because it has nothing to do with us. It's us being willing to be faithful, being willing to be obedient and say, God, I, I, I literally have no idea what to do, but I'm trusting you right now because I know you have a greater plan. And what a joy it is to be a part of the ride. Have you ever thought about that? I often think about it, and I go, I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but it's been a cool ride. God's Word says, let it shine that all would see His good works and glorify the Father. This morning, as we close out today, I I genuinely, my prayer is that the thoughts of this morning, the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy, but God coming to give us life, Jesus coming to give us life, and live it abundantly. I pray that as we looked at salt and light, and as we continue into the next several weeks of this thought of influence, 
I genuinely pray that we would truly look at our lives and say, where am I just hiding in a box? Where am I using excuses? Where am I doing all of these things? Because I don't think that I can. But God, you've called me too. And I know you can in and through me, regardless of what I think, if I would just surrender. I wonder... I wonder if we would ask God to use us to be the influence that he would have us to be. I wonder if we would say, God, I, I don't know who you are in regards to a personal relationship. Yes, I've heard of you. Yes, I've been in a church service. Yes, this or yes, that, but I don't genuinely know you as my Lord and Savior would you come into my life believer I plead with you you have great influence God's called you to something specific to you are you hiding it is it getting tossed to the road that's just being walked on because I'm just a little uncomfortable? Or are we saying, God, here I am. Send me. However I can be used, Lord, I want to be used. And I'm open and I'm willing to be the influence that you would have me to be wherever it is that you would have that to be. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you have made any decision today, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So can you please let us know by filling out a connect form or texting decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the ministry and mission of Oasis, you can text GIVE to the number provided below, click on the GIVE link, or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. We just want to thank you again for joining us in worship. And as you head out into your new week, we pray that you will not forget that you have to live your life to the fullest and be an incredible influence for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So be an influence and be a passionate follower of Christ.